0: What a weekend, what a weekend indeed, had a blast hooping in the sneaker games, Puma celebrity basketball game, a lot of love man, appreciate the continued support, Combo Nation can't stop, won't stop, what up, what up, what up everyone, welcome to episode 91 of Combo's Court and I am Combo, go rate, review and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app, today's show we discuss high-performance mindfulness with Jake Rauchback. Jake has coached on the professional and collegiate level and specializes in high-performance mindfulness. The importance of skill development is so well-documented, but you also have to work on the mental and the emotional side of basketball and life, and we discussed that today. You could follow Jake on Instagram at mindright_pro. pro. That's M-I-N-D-R-I-G-H-T underscore pro. You know you can follow me on Instagram at one-two combo. That's Owen E Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it.
1: Luca on the track. Jake Rochback, welcome to Court, man. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Anytime, man. Um, Jake has coached in Israel. He's coached at Temple. Um, But he's also an integrated player development coach. Can you tell us more? Yeah, so integrated player development is like a new genre, a new aspect of uh, player development. It's not just uh, uh, skill development these days. Uh, where players are just looking at that aspect of the game to improve. Um, Other areas like muscle training, uh, mindfulness, energy psychology, uh, uh, and skill development combined together um, are are really kind of cutting-edge ways to help players really move the dial on the court. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, what what that's all about. Okay, so we're going to get back to that. Before that, you coached overseas, and, you know, I have a lot of people hit me up you know, combo, I want to go overseas, and I just pretty much tell him the truth. I'm like, if you want to go overseas, play at the best school possible and put up the best numbers possible. So how do you feel about it? That's a great way to put it, yeah. I mean, you have to, <laughs> overseas is all about, I mean, it's two things. So we went over, we just got back from uh, from Budapest. Uh, we were, I was coaching the Maccabi Games. Congrats, by the State. way, gold medal. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much. So, like, the main thing I was telling our guys because all of our guys are basically college kids. They're just graduated. They all want to play professionally. Is man, like, if your team doesn't win, if you're not successful collectively, um, now, it, it doesn't matter, like, what, what you do individually. That's especially the case, like, if you had a year or two overseas. And I know you know that, That's too, because you played over. It. So, yeah. like, I, I totally agree. you got to put up stats, and that might be, like, a, a college thing. But once you actually start playing professionally, if you don't win collectively, it doesn't matter if you put up 20, it's going to be harder and harder to really, like, move up the, the hierarchy of uh, professional basketball. So I think you got to put up stats. But as you get a little bit older and maybe you have one or two opportunities on your resume, you've really got to win, too. For sure, for sure. Um, you've been doing a lot of coaching this summer, coaching TBT. Um, how'd that go? TBT was my first experience doing it. It's a lot of fun. We didn't make it out of the first round. Um, okay. But uh, it's a high level. It's uh, you know I think in order to win PBP you've got to have borderline uh, uh, Euro League players at yeah. all five of your starting positions. If you don't, I don't know if you have a chance to, to really win. So um, you know our, our team had we had the the leading scorer in, in Series A in, in Italy and in Greece, um, uh, Frank Gaines, and then my man uh, uh, Davon Barry, and, and these guys are really good. But we weren't able to get past the collection team. So I guess my point being, like, if you don't have a collective group that's played together for a while and they're not high high level guys, like the level continues to get better. So it's a it's a it's a good it's a good test for um, um, summertime basketball. And you got to have your stuff together if you want to win it. Yeah, I know you were coaching with Gottlieb. Uh, he's actually the only guy who was in favor of the Richard Paul rule I've seen. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it doesn't like to take stance the, the opposite stance on many things. So. Um, I don't know what is what his uh, reasoning is for that, um, but I, I think it's my opinion. I, I'm I'm taking the opposite stance on his stance. I think it's a little ridiculous. I do too. I do too. Can you speak to can you speak to Gottlieb's style as a coach? I like to I like to know how he coaches. So Doug uh, is I've been around. I mean I'm I've had a illustrious coaching career, but I've been around a lot of coaches and uh, some Hall of Fame coaches. And Doug is probably the 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 best tough offensive basketball mind I've been around. Like the way he teaches offense is incredible, and it's so easy. Like guys pick it up so easily. Um, obviously, he was a great point guard, um, and a great player on college. And I think that mindset, his ability to see like the the move after the move after the move, really bodes well to to teaching. And, and honestly, man, like the way he teaches his offensive schemes is is, is seamless and it's effortless when guys so, so guys can pick it up. For sure, man. Doug was a great player, for sure. Uh, all right, man. Before we get into the specifics of um, of what you do, are th- is there some low hanging fruit what whatever you what every player should be doing? Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, uh, Drew, like things are really shifting in the in the the let's call it performance landscape. Yeah. Um, you know, over the past say fifteen to twenty years, maybe even twenty five years, when I was a kid, I mean they're skill development was a, was the growing trend, and now we've reached i think a tipping point in player development and skill development and those things are requisites. you need to be able to get on the court and work on your game. no question about it, but there comes a point where there's not a there's there's no more amount of shooting shots or going through your legs and doing you know behind the back through the legs crossovers to kind of really improve your game like just shooting dribbling eight basketballs. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but like, like, if you really want to get better, when you integrate it into the game, yeah. there's a level of um, let's say mindfulness that needs to be incorporated into into uh, into a player's game to, to really reach that next level. So, just for like a bare bones basic foundation for what any player should be doing, obviously, getting your skill development, getting your work off the court, uh, away from practice and team practice and whatnot, doing your film work. If you have it, you know, if you have to that. But also, uh, incorporating say 15 to 20 minutes of meditation per day will be the bare minimum of mindfulness work that you should be doing straight away every day and don't miss a day. Because what that does is it'll eventually slow the game down for you when you get out the court and allowing everything you're doing off the court uh, 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 and on the court to really be uh, integrated together for higher performance. Right, and I think that's getting an edge because when you're doing things that nobody else is doing, because not everybody's doing what you're talking about, you know? Um, of course, like when I when I when I was playing overseas, one year in Denmark, I I used to run the hill, you know, once a week, and I felt like nobody else was doing that, so I felt like that was kind of my edge. And if you're doing something, you know, if you're doing some of the stuff that you're talking about, that not too many people are doing yet, maybe a year from now, everybody will be doing it. You know, you should start it now, and it'll give you that edge. Yeah, I, you know, I, especially for guys, and, and you named it like I wasn't, you know, this become a personal experience. I didn't have a boatload of natural talent. A lot of guys I work with don't have that don't have that either. So they need that edge. They need that edge. Um and even teams that don't have like one of the teams I was working with in Israel, they didn't have a big budget. Like they were one of the lower budget teams in the league. So so we needed an edge against the Maccabi Tel Aviv, against the Jerusalems of the world where where we could compete. So right. like, this is one of the things that we actually incorporated. We incorporated um high performance mindfulness to help players actually to improve statistical performance on the court And what what that does over the course of, like, a collective team and, you know, guys that actually play is it improves collective performance, which means you're actually playing better against better teams and gives you a better chance to win. Right. I often get asked from younger players, you know, they tell me when they're doing their skill development, everything's going in. um, It's kind of hard for me to answer these questions when I'm not there with the player, but how can players take what they're doing in practice and and put it into the game more effectively, like the player that's making everything in practice and wants to get to the game, it's just not working for them. So it's a great question, a million-dollar question, and what I'm finding uh, is, is it's kind of twofold. Um, players don't know what they don't know once, and they don't have the skill set to actually translate that performance from practice to the game. So it's not necessarily the mechanical encore performance that, that they're lacking in, they're doing the work, right, so why is it not translating? Well, a lot of times there's blocking experiences in their past. Say, you know, you don't we deal with older players. Maybe, you know, a player right. uh a really bad experience shooting the ball in college and, and uh uh those stock emotions failing carry over uh for that player throughout the rest of his career until it's resolved. And so it doesn't matter how much work he puts in off the court if he's not able to, you know, actually integrate it and effectively translate in the games, not doing him any any uh, any benefit. So to answer your question it's it's a multi-layered answer. Um, younger players need to really have their own mental and emotional process to kind of sweep out and delete out experiences that are blocking them, and they're not allowing them to translate stuff from practice to the game. And they also need to have um, kind of different types of techniques to allow them to focus in the game, so that they kind of enhance their their in-game performance, if you will. Right. Okay. So when a player's dealing with an injury, like as I went through this, I had a ACL injury. I don't know, probably 15 years ago already. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually came back better uh, before, like, more athletic, everything. But for that first year, um, it was tough mentally. Like, I didn't want to take that step. I didn't want to jump in the air. You know, my body was back, but my mind wasn't really back. What would you tell a player coming off a big injury like an ACL? Interesting, because I'm actually uh, doing a lot of analysis on the same subject, like, as we speak today. Okay, Um, great. So so you're obviously going to get your – um, physical care, your 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 rehab and your 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 doctor support and your rehab and these sorts of things. But the thing that you really need to look at to expedite your process is finding a practitioner um, who deals with the psychosomatic or mental side of, of injury recovery. You just said it like, you'll be players are always you see this all the time. A play, it's, you have, it's happened with Demarcus Cousins, Derrick Rose. These players yeah. are quick to play and then you see them guarding their injury, limping around, compensating. Where's that coming from? Yeah, it's a physical element to it. But there's um, there's a, a discernible psychosomatic, meaning what I mean by that, how the, the thoughts and the emotions from those past injuries, from those past recoveries are still lingering somewhere in these players' consciousness. So throughout that first year you spoke about in your own experience, you're, you're guarding stuff. You don't feel confident. You're scared you might get re-injured. Well, that stuff is, is held up the emotional level. So for right. the players going through this stuff, you need to find someone who can address that so you can get through the, the process faster. Right. Markel Folks, um, do you believe, from the outside looking in, do you believe it's more physical or mental what's going on with him? Like, what do you see? Great question. So I think it's one and the same, but I think the root of it is now on a on a mental and emotional level. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't have a work with Markel. I don't really know the ins and outs, right, of right, the story. But just from case studies of similar players I've worked with going through similar sorts of situations, um, there's looks like there's a buildup of many different issues going on behind the scenes, uh, both from on-the-court stuff and off-the-court stuff probably, that when, that when he gets into his shooting motion, he gets onto the court, instead of, we've all had the experience where we get on the court, we don't think about anything and our shot just goes in or we shoot our shot, well, right. in, a, in a situation like this, what could be happening is he gets on the court and instead of seamlessly going through his muscle memory routine, there's stuff that's chipping him up, literally like all the way from his catch to his release. Uh, like minute by millisecond by millisecond, that needs to be addressed in order for him to really get over what he's going through. Right. So coming into the league, I mean, he was thought to be at the least an above-average shooter. Yeah. I mean, if you if, 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 if this not that bad, like if you look at the storm yeah. from going from college to the NBA, this happens all the time. It's not about the form; it's about what's behind the form, right? So the storm is fine. It's just well, ever unless, unless we're talking about those free throws that went viral, like where he's like throwing three fakes. Well, well, yeah, but that 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 post like I'm talking about is in the league, right? From Washington. Oh, of course, of course. Right. Yeah, I mean, a good stroke, Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's fine. Like, you might not be like you know perfect, but it's it's fine. Um, but those like those strokes in the skyline where you know they went viral, he's obviously first of all, um, totally just jammed up on the on the mental level, and someone's probably giving him. Changing the shot, which is the worst thing to do when you got stuff going on the mental level and you're struggling with your stroke. So, um, in a nutshell, bottom line is in order to help help them, I think someone really needs to forget about his form, get down to the root of what's been going on for a while now at the the, the subconscious level of the mind. Can you speak to owning your emotions? What does that mean to you? Great question. So. um, when someone says owning your emotions, it's it's really it's kind of, it's a little bit of a misnomer. Um, so owning your emotions is really kind of like, it comes down to letting go, right? So a let go is, let me, let me give you an example. When you're in like a, a really tough situation, maybe at the last two minutes of the game, when you're on the foul line, the pressure's all, pressure's all on you to, to bring the game home for your team. Um... If you can let go of all that stuff that you might be feeling, the pressure, the fear, or whatever else it is, and you can have a process for doing that, then you're actually owning the present moment awareness and your focus. So when you talk about owning your emotions, it's really, it boils down to letting go of everything that can stop you or block you. That's kind of what that means. Okay, don't you feel when the player is, like, really prepared, they're not, there's a good chance they won't have as many of those those emotions? Like, because you just know you're more prepared than everybody else. Because that's what, that's kind of what brought the confidence in my own game when I was playing. Like, I just wanted to put more work in than everybody else and better work, more consistent work. And I felt like that was the reason why I felt like I had the edge. Is that, or is it just more than that? Like, somebody could work on their game as much as they want, but they just could still have that mental block or free game jiggers. Absolutely. Well, so, it's, it's, there's a couple of answers to that question, um, different answers. But let's start with the first one. Absolutely. I think... um you know, one of my biggest mentors, Coach so trained up, he always said always would say, you know, the night before the night before the game, which means forty eight forty eight hours away from the game. What are you gonna do from now till then to get yourself to get your get your mind locked in to play at your best, right? So right. there's really something to be said about putting your work in, uh, over the summer, during the season and, and mentally focusing, you know, a couple nights a week before the game so that you're ready. And I think to say it. Your preparation, the player's preparation into the game like that has a big time effect on uh, performance, but also not like not collecting and not collecting these sorts of performance blocks because you've already done your work early, so you're ready to go. Now, right. Um, in my experience, this being said, there's always another level. Like there's always another another level to performance. So there stuff might be stuff um, dating back to off the court stuff that you've dealt with in your life that. Could be holding you back from literally shooting the ball better on the court. As crazy as that sounds, I've seen it time and time again. So even schoolwork, um, even into in college, has to do with all these things, you know. Part of, you know part of yeah. Girls, girls, my yeah. <laughs> mama, like all that stuff. Like, seriously, know, all that stuff. Definitely. Definitely, You know, it can can affect some guy or some girl's ability to play better. So the answer is yes, and 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 no. It, it just depends on the situation right jake so what's your goal with everything that you're doing um so my goal is to be of service to all levels of athlete all levels of basketball player um uh you know from prep pro to to olympians um and this hopefully at some point will extend out to other performers in life whether it be different sports or actors or you know business people because we're all we all perform in whatever area of life that we're working in but um and I think what I try to do, based upon my experience and, and what I've seen to work, is take a different vantage point on on helping players actually improve their game by the numbers on the court. And so what I'm, my goal with this is to continue to be a service and to honestly to change the way things are done because it's inefficient right now, super inefficient. We're only, lo- we're only looking collectively as a basketball community at really one thing, putting in more work in the mechanical part of sports. That's not how, players are not robots. That's not how it works. Yeah. Sometimes you got to take a step back, take two steps forward. Of course, of course, yeah, and so really, the goal is to do things more efficiently in the long run. That's really my goal. Do you want to do it alongside coaching, or you rather approach the mental side of the game at full time? Um, I am open to both routes. I've actually done it in both both uh both working parameter and the setups. I've been a consultant on staff and I've also just been on staff as a coach um, and I think there's an ebb and flow to this work that I have where sometimes I get to consultant and I work with individual players or a team and sometimes i'm actually embedded in a coaching staff as a part of the as a coach so there's really no designation it's more about what's the right fit and what's what's the you know the, the collect collection of people that works best to really get the job done if that makes sense yeah i think it brings tremendous value you brought tremendous value to this podcast um tell us where we could find you on social media and anywhere else so if you uh I'm, I'm really active on Instagram. Um uh, underscore pro is, is my handle. Um also on Facebook, same thing. Mind uh, the mind right program on Facebook and then Mind Pro uh on Twitter as well. Rabbi Drew has been real angry lately. Can you help him? Or <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I love some Rabbi Drew. I uh, goes in Israel but yeah, man, we can help Rabbi, dude. We got to have him, first of all, get him a great Shabbat dinner, get him a little chilled out, and then go from there. <laughs> all right, Jake. You're always welcome back on the show. Thanks for being here.
0: Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Talk soon. There it is. Episode 91 is in the books. Big thanks to Jake for joining in. We appreciate you. Let me know how you feel about this episode right in the comments section of your Apple Podcast app. Be on the lookout For episode 92, Combo out.